how you put the salt in your ketchup. You put on a French fries and on the stick, if you put in the ketchup, you can control exactly how much salt you get in each French fry. <laughs> Try it. Not bad. It's a good idea. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Uncanny Cinema. So we just watched Sky Pirates for our last entry, uh, that uh, Indiana Jones knockoff Sky Pirates. And we're shifting to uh, a different film. We are looking at 1995's White Man's Burden, um, which uh, I can go into um, some specifics on this, uh, but off the top, I'll just say the premise of the movie, which is the whole reason that we're watching it. Um, and I don't know where I came across this somewhere, like somebody, you know, it's like a, an Instagram thing was shared or a TikTok or something. Somewhere I read about it, never heard about it until like last year. Uh, saw the premise and knew we had to do an episode. So this was a secret episode uh, where nobody knew what they were in for. Uh, I did uh, let one of our panelists know a rough idea of it, but everybody else uh, went in uh, totally cold, uh, as is tradition with our secret movies. So the movie is White Man's Burden from 1995. It is a movie where uh, they take the like social status of white people and black people and invert it to prove a point. Uh, we'll discuss, um, but uh, yeah, I can go into some specifics soon, but we're just going to go right off the top in the words of Homer Simpson. Well, what did everybody think? Jack is here. Eric is here. Izzy is here. Where are we at? Well, yeah, you got a real nice home here. That's all I'll say to that. That was the best um, episode of Ippy and Jippy I've ever seen. <laughs> Yeah, to Listen. your point, uh, it seems like they were trying to make some sort of point, some sort of commentary, but that never really blossomed at all. It was just, they inverted it, and that was it. It was just kind of a boring movie that didn't really have much going on, and they didn't really have much to say about it. There wasn't even, like, world building specifically, if they're going to, like, you know, we're going to reverse this stuff, and then it was just kind of, like, very, very, like, surface level here and there, and then there's not really a lot to the plot either it's just kind of yeah <laughs> jack agreed totally agreed i was deeply disappointed it starts off with it's saying it has john travolta it has Bar harry belafonte and it has howard shore to the music <laughs> right and so i start this movie and these credits are rolling i'm like dang this is gonna be amazing and then the first you scene starts, should and it know shows, better than that i should know better why we've done almost what definitely over 100 of these why would i think that you would do a secret movie to make me happy of course not 
Sometimes I mean, they're I hidden first, gems, but yeah. mostly it's just. I don't know if I've ever done a, a day for a I don't know if I've ever done a, a good secret movie, but that might be something. Like maybe I'll maybe. shake it up one day maybe. and surprise you. Uh, the opening scene was cool because they're establishing in the opening scene. It's just this one shot of this uh, wealthy black family. Harry Belafonte is at the head of the table, and they're all talking, making it very clear: this is the world that we live in. Is that uh, white people and black people's situations are swapped and they're using a lot of the same talking points that you see rich people say about black people and you're like oh okay interesting premise and then they do <laughs> nothing further like that's just it the whole movie they say nothing new they say nothing interesting it's just hey what if what if white people were like black people kind of makes you think that's it i thought it was extremely boring like, I was kind of expecting, yeah. like, something to be pushed when it comes to, like, racial itch issues and cultural differences. And I sat there and I kind of was entranced in John Travolta's, like, accent. I <laughs> yeah. really A lot of people know. are. That's... Yeah, it was like, I don't know if he's trying to do, like, a southern accent or, like, maybe he's trying to channel his blackness. But it just didn't, like, do anything for me. So I just sat there and I was like, this isn't really, like, showing me a message. Nothing. Nor would it show anyone a message. It was just kind of, like, there. And it, it wasn't even, message. like, uh, there weren't even, like, moments where it's, like, they had, like, something that was, like, shockingly distasteful. Where you're just like, oh, my God. It was just, yeah, it was just boring. It was just, like. <laughs> it was so boring. <laughs> like here's the rich neighborhood here's some black people walking a dalmatian can you believe it (laughs) they did show a white lawn jockey that that was a reversal (laughs) wild Uh, yes i did Uh, see that one yes uh (laughs) yeah i mean for myself uh i uh yeah i didn't know much going in other than the basic premise i you know uh intentionally didn't watch anything or read much you know i knew the i knew the premise um and i wanted to do it for the show but uh yeah we'll we'll discuss where it goes and stuff but the honest answer to that is like not very far like it doesn't do like to eric's point like yeah it's not even like shockingly distasteful it's it's bad and it's not good it's not successful at what it's clearly trying to do but it's not so like jaw on the floor springtime for hitler kind of shocking it's it's not like oh holy shit it's just kind of like you're like oh like like it's yeah this isn't good um so like literally if if you switched it back if this was the exact same story but it was took took place in quote unquote our world our reality it would be the same movie same thing yeah there's they did nothing with the premise and it added nothing to the cultural uh, discussion. It yeah. just didn't, ugh. There wasn't really any big things happening. It's like, okay, everyone searches for a job. It, everyone, yeah. like, drives a shitty car. Like, yeah. it's not, like, abnormal things that, like, other humans don't go through. So it's like, yeah. okay, like, yeah, I guess it could like, happen. This, Sorry. This was, like, <laughs> taking the angle of, like, like, if it was, like, like black exploitation where they were, like, just having a movie with this premise and, like, pushing things either like comedically in certain ways or but it's just like yeah it's like it's not it's not just shocking to see a white person having a hard time of it and a black guy be rich like it's just like (laughs) (laughs) like 
Look, this was <laughs> shocking in 1995, people. It's <laughs> <laughs> just disappointing. I was disappointed. Uh, okay, so uh, yes, welcome all. I just wanted to dive right into it. I knew everyone would want to uh, get things out. But yes, hello, yep. Eric, Jack, Izzy, you've all been here before. Uh, so we'll forego formalities. Um, but some basic background on this, not much to say on it. But the uh, movie is White Man's Burden, 1995. It is written and directed by Desmond Nakano, uh, who has written and directed a few other films, but nothing major. Um, you know, some things he directed, some he wrote. Um, uh, a couple things I, like, vaguely recognize, but I think just from, like, the box art of, like, VHSs and stuff back in the day. Uh, so he is Japanese-American, actually. And he... What? Yes, yeah. I, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know. <laughs> Yeah. So okay. so here's the thing. So according to IMDb, and I always say that, you know, like serious stuff on IMDb, you have to be like, you know, grain of salt. But uh, but it does sound like it would be, you know, plausible here. Uh, so the director, who's Japanese-American, created the film in part because of how he felt that to both American whites and blacks, he was, quote, them. He also tapped into the disorienting feeling he felt when he visited Japan, saying that, quote, for so long I had been different and it felt wrong to be the same. So that's so he now, see, wrote that it. would have been an interesting movie. <laughs> so he wrote <laughs> Show it. Show me that. And he wrote it. Well, well, on that point, let's uh, let me throw this out there. Um, what? How do you make this work? So, like, I read. I'm tr- well, I've been racking well, my here, brain. Well, just I well, was trying to think of the well, same something thing. <laughs> you just said made me wonder because apparently there's a couple other projects that have done similar things. There's like an Australian one like a movie or TV movie that was like about Australians and Aborigines and it was flipped in the same way. Um, I, you know, I don't think it was like a big budget thing or anything. And then there was some British TV special or something from the sixties that did it. I don't know if it was set in America or England or whatever. I didn't dig too far. And there's some novels that have done a similar premise, but yeah, like just flipping it. I don't know what it gets you, but something you just said there, Jack, or, you know, kind of your reaction to the director's comments. What would make this work? And I'll put out just off the top of my head. Do you need it? Do you need a character who comes from our world to enter that world? Is that what you need? That's Is that how this, this could think. work? White or black, like whichever way you, or maybe both. Maybe you, you know, enter in, you're following two characters who've, somehow gone through the time portal thing they, maybe after school especially are we getting in there it sounds like yeah. yeah 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 yeah. it could work as an after school special that was the only thing i could come up with and that changes the genre entirely which i think would take away from it in some ways um did anybody have any other ideas because that's all i had and i like how they would like make it. this work yeah i mean i don't feel like they pushed any envelope to like invest in uh, I mean, I guess it's more in the perspective. Oh, sorry. I don't really know how, like, I was supposed to feel about John Travolta playing this yeah. role. Because I didn't really feel anything for him. So it's like, yeah. I don't have a message. I don't really connect with any of the characters. Yes. Because they're, no, they're so yeah. one-sided. They're and, yeah. It's just. I feel like there was a scene where the son of... Um, the black couple, I forgot their name, sorry, um, comes in with, like, a white girlfriend. And you're oh, like, yeah. oh, may- maybe something, something And the mom's just like, I acknowledge it. 
let's move on. <laughs> it's like yeah. I feel like they could have. I got I got a big something. charity event here tonight. We'll deal with this later. It's a fashion right. show. There's homeless white kids there. It's just <laughs> it it's just so so blunt and bl- and bland. Yes, blunt and how, bland. How is it both of those at the same time? You're <laughs> That's completely terror- right. right. It's kidding. similar when like he's being like profiled by the cops, and it's just like. Yes. And the black cop's like, oh, well, you fit the description, buddy. And it's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> I guess if you were reversing things, that's what yes. would happen. <laughs> I Yeah, I had, I mean, just from, like, my perspective, I just, like, didn't care for any of the characters, black or white. Because but, the, the main black characters are very wealthy man, who we all hate because wealthy yeah, people like, suck. I can't relate to him. <laughs> right? <laughs> But he's played by Harry Belafonte, so he has I charisma. Love him. Uh, <laughs> love, so I, love I will him. throw that out since we haven't uh, gotten much into background stuff. So yeah, John Travolta is is the lead or the co-lead along with Harry Belafonte uh, as uh, the the other co-lead. Um, and there's some other like character actors I recognize. The guy who fires John Travolta, I looked him up because I recognized him. I don't know Seinfeld. I think yeah, he's in Seinfeld. I think he was like one of Elaine's coworkers, like Ronald or something. Yeah. Um, I remember he was in a few episodes. Um, and I got excited because Shirley Ralph was in the first scene and then she didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> she is amazing. I So Donnie, the young, the son, yeah. is played by Andrew Lawrence, who was in a Disney show, The Lawrence Brothers, Brotherly Love. So I got really excited oh, about that. That's why he looks familiar. I've never yep. seen that show, but I've seen a lot of clips because the internet... Show. And I'm like, why does this young man? And I looked him up. I was like, I don't know who Andrew Lawrence is. Get out of here, internet. <laughs> Thank you for solving that mystery for me. I think there were tons of act. There was a decent amount of actors that I've seen in other movies, but like would not have recognized them unless I looked them up yeah. because their characters didn't give them any individuality. So I'm just like, eh, okay. The homeless guy has been in a bunch of stuff as a character he was actor. He's the only good character. Um, I I liked him. I vaguely recognized <laughs> him and I had to look it up. And yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Um, okay, I'm just going to throw out what the plot is because we can oh, yeah, jump we around and like talk about certain aspects. But there's really honestly not much to this at all. The movie's like an hour 25 um, plus some credits that aren't on the copy that we have. Um, so I think it's like technically you know the start of the last track that goes with the credits though. <laughs> Time yes. has come again. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so I think it's like an hour and a half movie. Um, but like the, uh, plot, like what we actually witness is very minimal and it's, we have, uh, Harry Belafonte. Um, yeah, if, if you're unfamiliar with Harry Belafonte, you shouldn't be, but, uh, probably most fame, most famously <laughs> known for his Calypso music, um, you know, like uh, from Deo and uh, Jump in the Line and many other songs, Zombie Jamboree and many other things. Um, and then he was an activist and actor, um, you know, particularly in the 60s, but he acted off and on throughout his career. He was in Black Klansman was his last role before he died. Um, but so he's wealthy. John Travolta is uh, down on his luck and he's he's trying to make foreman at this plant. I do want to note, before I go further, is it a chocolate plant? I was going to say, before I go further, well, they don't really explain what the plant is, but yeah, they must make some kind of like candies and stuff. But we get, I want to know, I'm going to tell the plot, but I want to know all of your reactions because nobody knew the title 
and nobody knew the premise and you get the opening scene and Harry Belafonte <laughs> is like flipping things and after a couple of his lines of dialogue it's like becomes clear of like I mean you know you would likely put it together of like oh okay something weird is happening here and then the credit sequence starts rolling and we're in the Wonka factory. We've got we fucking sure candies and chocolate swirling and shit. Yeah. Yeah. And they have these white candies and they're like, so they look like candy bars, but then they're being covered with chocolate and the implications are immediately apparent. What's trying to, what's going on here. And then it comes up with the title white man's burden. And so I want to know what was all in your heads as you just similar to when we watch tiptoes or some other parts right right yeah just like when that moment hits what uh where were you all at uh for me and i was trying way too hard to figure out if it was chocolate i was like what is this this looks like chocolate is this chocolate what are they putting it on i, I wrote down chocolate ice cream snickers poops like i wrote down all these things and i thought it would have been interesting later not in the moment because literally i was very focused so focused on trying to figure out what this was and why they were showing it to me. If later I thought it would have been interesting if they had done some chocolate things covered with white chocolate. Like, oh, we're flipping it. Oh, see? Oh. White on black, black on white. But they didn't. They're just like, for, I don't know, it felt like 10 minutes, but it was probably not 10 minutes. They're just like, here is stuff being covered in chocolate. Here's more if stuff. If you want to view Paradise. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> this is, it was so weird. I just thought of like how it's made. Have you ever seen that show where they're just like, this is how you oh, yeah. make this yeah. candy. And I was yeah. like, I did not care about anything else. I just wanted to know what they were making. I know. I, was, I, could, <laughs> I thought it was like about. a mound bar at that point. <laughs> Same. This is how exactly. you reverse racial progression in America. <laughs> I did not think that deep about it. And then when white man heard it, I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> Completely, yes. That was a rough go. Eric, your thoughts? Eric, what did you think? Yeah. Did well, you unfortunately, I, I knew the title before I saw the title screen. Oh, Eric. I know. Did I tell you? I know. Oh. No, no. But I think like when I put on the movie. And felt it in the I universe. Was like, I don't know how I saw the title like, Maybe because there was like initials on the, the computer thing. up against his face yeah like, oh i sense it um i mean yeah that that scene was still weird uh i can't imagine <laughs> how i would have felt if i if i saw that like phrase hit after that <laughs> i don't know i wait oh man i wish i had thought at that moment i wish i hadn't been so focused on what the hell they were making at this factory because i would have been like is this is this a Wonka movie? <laughs> is the white man's burden to make candy? This is from is the point of view is? of the Oompa Loompas. They reverse yeah. it? <laughs> Strike that. Reverse it. <laughs> there we go. There we go. That's what we do. That's how we yes and on this show. Uh, and another little note to throw out there. Uh, so if any of you are unfamiliar with the origin of the title, White Man's Burden, well, you're going to find out what it means right now. Um, so historically, it is a, a very problematic and racist phrase. Comes from Rudyard Kipling, uh, a poem called "The White Man's Burden," um, and he wrote the Jungle Book and other things, uh, just so stories and stuff. Um, and so I'm just ripping this straight from Wiki. So what it states is 
So in the poem, Kipling encouraged the American annexation and colonization of the Philippine Islands during the Spanish-American War. As an imperialist poet, Kipling exhorts the American reader and listener to take up the enterprise of empire, yet warns about the personal costs faced, endured, and paid in building an empire. Nonetheless, American imperialists understood the phrase, quote, the white man's burden, to justify imperial conquest as a civilizing mission that is ideologically related to the continual expansion philosophy of manifest destiny in the early 19th century. So in short, it's basically saying that, you know, well, this is a burden that falls upon white people and we, you know, you have to like take over the world and take over these countries and uh, you're going to have to deal with, uh, you know, these foreign nations and stuff. So the title of this this movie using that title appears to be, you know, in a in a an ironic choice, but to what end? What? Why? <laughs> we'll never it, know. It's not a great look. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> Just, I mean, maybe they were trying to be like the burden of poverty in this universe. The white man's burden is poverty. It's Think just- about it. I know, right? That's that's what this whole movie is. It's just like, huh? Huh? That's, I mean, what if, really? An hour I mean, and 20 minutes on. of that with nothing more behind it. All right, so on the plot, uh, so yeah, that's right. we, get, we get the Wonka factory. We got to the credits. We get the Wonka factory, and uh, John Travolta wants to make Foreman because that's, you know, that's when he's going to, that's when his ticket's going to come in, when he makes Foreman. And so... Uh, <laughs> So then he's like volunteering for extra jobs so that he can show, you know, how dedicated he is. And so they need a package delivered to the like CEO, uh, you know, Mr. Wonka himself, uh, you know, at his. Thaddeus Wonka. Thaddeus Wonka. <laughs> so he's going to go take this package. We've already seen Harry Belafonte be rich and kind of racist as far as this world goes. Um, and John Travolta is going up to deliver this package. He's told to like go to like the side of the house or something. And uh, Balafonte's wife is changing. They're both in the bedroom. She's naked. We don't see it, but she's changing. Um, Travolta's looking around, just trying to figure out where am I taking this thing? He glances up, a window's open. We are instructed that he can see, you know, that she's naked up there. He doesn't do anything. It's just kind of like, oh, okay, that's it. Uh, Harry Belafonte notices, does not take kindly to it, tells uh travolta's boss of like says oh well whoever you sent by the house yeah don't have him do that anymore um and tells him send a different guy send a different guy tells him you know like says whatever happened travolta is pushing to get the foreman job later um he's talking to his boss who is black um you know most of the people who are in positions of power throughout this movie are black and that's who belafonte talked to and then his boss finds out, oh, you were the guy who was at his house. Sorry, this isn't going to work out. You're fired. Um, and he explains, it's like, oh, you know, you were looking at his wife and all this shit. So Travolta gets fired, tries to get other jobs. Nothing's working out. There aren't any jobs that work out, like that work for him. They're all like minimum wage stuff. He has a lot of experience and the things that he tries for, like it's a really quick montage, but it's just like clearly not going to happen. Um, he gets evicted, his wife and kid are at her, the wife's parent and mother's house. Um, so he tries to go talk to Mr. Wonka and he won't see him. (laughs) 
And then eventually uh, he shows up at the mansion and uh, Belafonte doesn't recognize him. And that pisses Travolta off even more. And then uh, he has a gun. And so he holds him hostage and he Travolta Travolta holds him hostage. um, And we don't know what he wants initially. We just know like he wants money um, and he's pissed that, you know, he was fired and everything. And eventually comes out that all he wants, it's it's much like the Mel Gibson movie payback. He just wants a small amount of money. Um, He just wants like three grand, like whatever he has determined is what's owed to him based on his firing or something. Um, and that makes him noble. I uh, <laughs> just so that's that's what the movie wants us to think. <laughs> well, it's like he won't he won't take a penny more than he is owed. Yes. Well, anyway, so that's what happens, and then it's him and uh, Harry Belafonte in a in a rambunctious buddy comedy for the rest of the film. <laughs> Wacky adventures. Uh, no, it's basically him. Like uh, they go to the bank, and uh, well, he just can't uh, just just can't get the money. Um, just not working I forgot. out. That guy's actually my favorite character. The, the guy in the bank window the is bank my favorite teller, guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's not able to get the money out. Ass. Uh, and cause it's and it's going to like go into the weekend. And then Travolta is now stuck with, uh, he has to essentially officially kidnap Belafonte's character. Cause it could have just been all done in like 20 minutes. And theoretically he would have left. Um, but you know, presumably still gone to prison or whatever. But yeah, then he has to like keep Belafonte for an extended period of time. And then just like thing after thing happens, they are getting to know each other at points. They are like kind of liking each other at points. They're, you know, uh, pissed off at each other. And, you know, a lot of life lessons are learned along the way. We, we learn a lot <laughs> from the two of them, you know, interacting. Absolutely. A lot of important stuff. Uh-huh. And then John Travolta is gunned down by the cops in the end of the <laughs> I was just about to ask. Their last, their last shot at making it a good movie. Well, tragic death. How about that? Okay. We're all chiming in since we're talking about it right now. Who burst out laughing? Raise your hand. Shout it out. When he got shot. I did. Oh, I, I, did. I just saw it yeah. coming. So I had like a huge eye roll. I was just like, eh, of course. I is the movie over now, please? Laughing. Thank you. I didn't really understand why he was even standing there. Like, I mean... There's like a sense of like when you watch movies and like someone sacrifices themselves right, yes, to like yes. be like, hey, you know, you taught me the power of friendship. Like, yeah. I'm going to like you go on and I'm going to be shot down by these cops. There was none of that. No. And there wasn't really like any lesson at the end. No. It's just like I'm looking over here. I'm looking over here. Cops like, hey, bo, 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 bo. He was dead. And you're like. What happened? <laughs> like that was a fucking end. It's so there was like no like he just died on the side of a died. road. Yeah, he's not gonna absolutely. get a statue built of him. He's not gonna be in the paper tomorrow. Like <laughs> no, just, not at all. Like none of I don't things. understand. <laughs> uh, I did. Th- what was the best about that for me is so he stays behind because uh, Thaddeus Wonka is uh, having some kind of attack which is not made clear yeah. throughout the rest of the film but travolta seems pretty sure that he's gonna reasons. die if he leaves him there right yeah and he's so like, instead of running when the cops are about to no, show he up. says he says specifically yeah it's like, like i have to tell the like, cops to take him to the hospital or he else can't it's speak never for gonna himself. happen yeah exactly he can't he can't tell them what happened so i have to go i have to be there i have to be there for him to tell them what happened as if the emts wouldn't be able to figure <laughs> out 
anything because what is what does Travolta's character Pinnock? Just Pinnock or just name, just write just write a note and put it like write on his chest with a rock, just like <laughs> this... he's hurt. <laughs> <laughs> he he breathed bad. Bye. <laughs> he breathed bad. <laughs> so he gets. He's like, no, I gotta stay behind and tell them what happened. Tell the EMTs what happened. Don't and take him to the gets... White Hospital. Whatever you do, he's gotta go to the good one. <laughs> he gets shot down, and then shocker, there's still no one to talk for him. So now you're dead, and like your sacrifice meant nothing. Yeah, it was so worthless and so. Is it dumb. clear whether Harold Perry is gonna live or not, or? I don't know he's that still he alive thought, at the end, but I don't know that he thought he was gonna get killed there. I mean, I think the audience assumes it's no. gonna happen, but he was dumb enough to just still have still the have gun, a gun in his hand. hand. Like, gun why wouldn't you like put yeah, it in absolutely. your pocket or throw it away? Like at this point, your <laughs> yes. kidnapping is like shot. You're done. It's over. So, insane. so just like like chuck that gun in one of the abandoned buildings nearby. One <laughs> <laughs> of the many abandoned buildings surrounding you. Yeah. It was just ridiculous. If I had to listen to Stanley, which is the homeless man, he also kind of befriends over this week of homelessness that he's coming to. Um, if I heard Stanley like, you got to go, you got to get out of here, you got to get him out of here, you you got to get this man out of here, he's not my problem. Like, constantly, that was all he said through this entire movie. He's like, not my problem, get him out of here. Yeah. And I was like... You need to leave, Stanley. You need to leave <laughs> need to and go. be gone at this point. <laughs> the reason I like Stanley is because he's the only person in the movie that had any character at all. He's like, yeah, he was annoying. He made me feel something. That feeling was annoyance, but that was something. I mean, he had a nice little spread, man. He was like living in an abandoned house. Like, I like that weirdo. Eating <laughs> canned foods. It was great. <laughs> and he didn't want to kill uh, Thaddeus. Yeah. I thought at one point he did want to leave him for dead, if I recall. So I well, don't know. I think it's yeah, I think it's when he was like has a, like a that, whatever attack. That was more He's... self-preservation, I think. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I get it. I get Stanley. I think I don't hate him. He's annoying, but I don't hate him. And I was like, oh look, somebody's acting in this movie. Cool. I mean, he was kind of the voice of reason if you think yeah. about it. He's like, why are you bringing this man into my house? Like. Let's get him, like, just leave him somewhere. I don't want and anything be, to do with this. Yeah, exactly. Just be done with it. Yeah. So we already said think... how... Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. <laughs> uh, so we already said how uh, Travolta, you know, keeps the gun, doesn't run away and any of that. So my question to you is, how many other dumb things does John Travolta do in this movie? Because there's one in particular, which is he has Harry Belafonte and they've had several meals together. And this one meal, John Travolta teaches him how to eat French fries properly, which is you put salt (laughs) on the ketchup because it sticks to the ketchup. And then you can get an exact same amount of salt, which is fucking insane. Of course you wouldn't, but uh, you can get just, just what you want out of salt. And then Harry Belafonte is like, bullshit you can and then he's like try it and then harry belafonte's like i see you through different eyes now john travolta that's just the kind of thinking we need on our board of directors you're hired (laughs) anyway that's basically how that scene plays out but then in the midst of this like bonding moment and they've talked about their families and things and like they have like come to a place like john travolta doesn't want to harm him is the character that's presented he's probably willing to but he doesn't want to he wants a certain amount of money belafonte is willing to go along with it but there's blockades belafonte's been trying to like 
uh, you know, like call his family and stuff. Travolta won't let him. Anyway, they've like bonded to some degree. But then Travolta just sits there and is like, well, you know, you know who I am now. You didn't at first. And that pissed me off. That's why I pulled the gun. But you know who I am now. So I probably can't let you go. Which essentially implies I'm going to have to murder you yeah. soon. I'm gonna kill you. And then Travolta's yeah. like, "Oh well, all right. Uh, you, you need, I another, need an napkin. You need another right soda." <laughs> and he like goes right? over to this fucking hot dog stand to like you know around the corner to get it. And then when he gets back, Harry Belafonte is understandably gone. And Travolta's yeah. like, "Gah? Why would he <laughs> yep. leave?" Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. He says, I don't know if I can let you go. Do you want something else? Like, that's literally how the dialogue goes, word for word. Jeez, uh, so I was stupid. just thinking out loud. I didn't really mean it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> There's, like, so two dumb. major points that happen at, like, these food stands, too. Yeah. I'm like, one is where that... I don't... Oh, sorry. <laughs> this is the other thing that I was like, okay, so... I was talking to my brother earlier about this and I was like, okay, you know, like the movie Friday and there's people outside like working out on weights and stuff. And he's, and I was telling him about this movie and he's like, anyone can do that. But I was like, (laughs) they do a switch where they make like, instead of like, like gangsters or something, they're like, up, just a whole bunch of like skinheads just hanging out on the porch. And it's like they're kind of they kind of like run John Travolta's like neighborhood with like fear or whatever, yeah. just drinking beer at the local soda stand, drinking like... beer and spreading fear. <laughs> <laughs> but one of them ends up getting shot, and it's like maybe that was supposed to be like a very impactful scene for people. Like, oh no, like this old man who owns this stand got pissed and just shot someone. The hot dog like, man brings out like what a shotgun and just yeah, like, like blasts the dude. It's so but then insane. They just all leave. Yeah, they're like, oh, and it's okay. like that was the lesson. <laughs> You're like, yeah. what did I learn at this? Nothing. Well, the, the next time he man. asks you to stop drinking alcohol at his soda stand, you listen. That's the lesson. That's right. <laughs> does a whole he has a little tiny speech. The hot dog man does something along the lines of, "Yeah, decent people can't eat Who here no can more." Hot dog man dogs, <laughs> sprinkle them with. I don't know. I don't have anything for do. What what I put? Sprinkle them with ketchup. Yeah, I know, but that doesn't <laughs> fit. Colorado South on, so you get the same amount of everybody. <laughs> the hot dog man. Yeah, it's. Salt to ketchup ratio is like the rap music of this universe where they get right, that's yeah, a big contribution. Absolutely. I'm dead right now. I'm dead. <laughs> oh, he said it's it's getting so decent people can't eat here anymore and just like talking about how the neighborhood's gone to shit. Well my just... my statement when he said that was to quote the Joker from the nineteen eighty nine Batman, which was decent people shouldn't live here. They'd be happier someplace else. That's how I entertain myself watching this film. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yep. Just ridiculous. Yeah, that scene. And then it's just so weird to me that they would have that whole scene and then have later another scene at a different. <laughs> this food one's stand, safe. Which was this one's a safe those? one. I guess. It's like food stands really push the story. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. It was, it was, uh, <laughs> it was funded by Big Food Stand. <laughs> I mean, can we then talk about what happened after uh, Thaddeus runs sure. away? Thaddeus Wonka. It's like he just runs off into the night, and there's this weird chase scene because 
John Travolta's trying to find him and can't. Um, and uh, Thaddeus runs into a random house, just goes into a house and uses the phone and calls his wife, uh, who's very worried. But he's like, I don't know where I am. She's like, I'll send the police. Where are you? He's like, I don't know. And then the lights flip on and there's a little girl and she just starts screaming. Uh, I'm trying to remember what it is she was yelling. She says, like, my mother like, someone's said... Someone's in my house. She had a or, gun. Yeah. And she said, like... Yeah. My, she sure my did My mother have a gun. said to shoot anyone who came in or shoot any man who came in. And then she's calling yeah. for a guy who I yeah. thought was, like, maybe it was going to be, like, a servant or something. Or I didn't know what was happening, but maybe it's, like, her step No, they're in the step poor white Yeah. I, well, I, I, was, I was getting mixed up on what was happening, but... <laughs> Their dynamics are really weird because there's a couple of scenes where it's like the white, the poor white people are against like the rich black people. But you're like, uh-huh. is this kind of like, are they racist or are they like not liking because they're rich? And it's it classist or racist. Yeah, it's like, it's just like it didn't go where it could have gone. Really it's didn't. just kind of like, uh. The lady in the car would have had to have been racist when they try to help <laughs> Belafonte. That was a weird moment. And she just speeds off readily. She's like, like, I'll help you. He's like, he's black. And they're like, Ooh. She's like, white? <laughs> Let that me get out of here. Because again, if you reverse it, if, if, if that were, if everybody were flipped in that moment, I don't know why uh, a black person would drive away upon seeing a white person that he held. That's mm. not a, a stereotype. That's not a I thing. Don't know. It was just weird. It, there's a lot of, I feel like, scenes that could have been pushed a little bit further to like make yeah. us maybe think about the situation. Yep. But there was not a lot of that. Well, I will say the scenes where they try aren't particularly good either because we have the uh the black action figure versus the white action figure which is an extended extended sequence and then we also have john travolta saying to um belafonte how's it feel me having power over you like you had over me just like (laughs) as like thesis statement as you get yes i think and there's a scene i think when travolta is being fired and he's like he says, like, oh, am I getting too uppity yes, for you yes. or something? Yes! <laughs> That's where Ugh. that got weird. When yes. he would start putting on a voice. And I'm like, mm. I mean, I feel like yes. we're pushing kind of, I don't know if he was method acting. But it I, just gave me weird feels about it. Right. So and it's like, feels. I don't know what his direction was in terms of, like, how he plays that character. But presumably, if you were, like, just writing this movie you would write that character as if it was a black person like that. And then it's just like, well, we're just going to, the actors are just going to be switched. And I, I mean, his accent, cause at first I was watching it. And I was like, I was like, I'm not sure how much he's trying to sound like black necessarily, but and it's like, but by the end, I felt it was like more pronounced, and he just sounded like Jamie Kennedy and Mal Boobs Most Wanted. Like he was just like, <laughs> well, here's all the, over here's the thing was... <laughs> on that. A lot of people, a lot of people on uh, like Letterbox talked about it, and they used the term "black scent" um, as as, yep. as a thing, um, or questioned whether or not he was trying to be like you know like poor white. I watched uh, Siskel and Ebert's review on it because I was very curious, Ooh. very curious. Yeah. Um, they basically are just saying what we're saying. I mean, they're probably kinder to it than we are of just like that there was a good idea here, which I don't even know that I would agree with that, but that that there that then it goes nowhere. 
Um, but they did right. comment on the accent. But here's the thing. I, I, I was reading some of those comments while I was watching the movie, partly to have something interesting to do while I was watching the movie. <laughs> yeah, yes. And and then I was so I was like listening to him. He doesn't talk too drastically different than how he talks as Vincent in Pulp Fiction. It's pretty um, similar. I mean, now he, you know, and I mean, Vincent in Pulp Fiction is hanging around Jules. And so maybe he was trying to sound more black, you know, in that role as well. Or maybe this is just his like go to, you know, voice for tough street. Yeah, yeah, yeah I don't know. Voice. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, because he still very much sounds like Travolta, and like he can't escape it's that. True. But then you 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 hear him trying things. No matter how hard yeah. he tries, he can't <laughs> escape himself. It's very deep, Eric. I just want to know who made John Travolta a redhead in this <laughs> film. Like it's just like an accent of red. I was like, is it red or is it like orange? It. It bothered me. It was yeah, really weird, weird character, like, I, add to it. <laughs> I can't tell you that, but I can tell you why John Travolta is in this film. Oh, go on. So according to IMDb, uh, Quentin Tarantino urged both John Travolta and Kelly Lynch, who uh, played his wife, to act in the film. Tarantino's production company, A Band Apart, produced the film. So, like... Tarantino's uh, like, you gotta do this, John. This is a great part. Great movie. And he nearly wrecked Travolta's comeback. <laughs> well, this this was released. There was the one-two punch of Pulp Fiction and Get Shorty. This was released yeah. like a month and a half after Get Shorty, and nobody paid any attention to it. But yeah, this is after his like big comeback. This is like during his resurgence. Yeah. yeah. So now wow. maybe he was filming this before Pulp Fiction hit. I don't know. Or maybe it was like shortly after. I don't know. But yeah, like he was like back on the map and this is one of his first roles. Um, oh, but I have I one one hit. other quick question since we're talking casting. My question, I put this to you because I couldn't find anything online. I I would love a retrospective. I would love like them or like a, a DVD commentary where all the cast talks about it. Um, but here's my question. Belafonte... Longtime activist, pioneering black musician, and leading man, he must have believed in this project. Why is he right. here? <laughs> like, right. he's not bad in the role for what it is. No. Um, you know, but it's just boring. Yeah, I mean, and he's like a charismatic guy, but like, is it just that people's? I mean, because even Cisco and Ebert at the time weren't like, "This is a revelation." Like, so I can't just say, "Oh, the people at the time, it was just like different for them." It's like, no, like nobody thought this was a good idea. <laughs> so, like, why did Harry Belafonte think it was a good idea? <laughs> I wonder. Maybe he if... didn't read the script, but he just heard the concept and was like, "That was exactly what I was going to say." Yeah. So he got an elevator pitch, and he's like, "Brilliant." Just like if I had been given an elevator pitch about this movie, I'd be like, oh, my God, I really want to see that. That sounds great. And now you have. That's my guess. <laughs> I think we need a Jordan and Peele to reboot. hell with elevators. You could do <laughs> All right, Jack, you got something? So I want to hit on a, a piece of this movie where it, it was like maybe the ghost of you might be trying to do something, but they never really got there. It's... Or was it was it that they were getting to something, or was it just they were so incompetent that they accidentally made me uncomfortable? Um, it is very weird to be like they're trying to get me to root for the white man who is doing violence against ah, this black man. Mm, there we are. Oof, 
there's a scene where uh, John Travolta is pushing Harry Belafonte up against the car door and we get a shot from the outside looking in and Harry Belafonte's face is crushed against the glass. And I was so uncomfortable. I was like, I hate this. This is bad. You're trying to make me think that which which one right. here is the good right. guy and which one here is the bad right. guy? So uh, there was a Letterboxd review, like one of the most liked. And I thought, and I read this before I watched the movie. Um, swatch. But uh, what? Nothing. Go on. I said, you said swatched. Sorry. I mean, I was like scratching, so maybe it's slurred, but I can re- I, I can redo okay. it since you insist. All right. I'm not insisting. I'm just making fun of you. That's uh, two different things. You make fun of me all the time on the show if I do a little I've, tiny slip. I've never. You need to swatch your tone, once. Jack. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I can't redo it because Eric made it. Funny. Oh no. <laughs> Jack, I could have left in that time when you said like eight fucks right before Christmas. <laughs> you ate the eight fucks of Christmas. And so now that comes out. So on the first fuck of Christmas. <laughs> anyway, uh, so before I swatched it, uh, so I saw this letterbox review, and uh, I thought this person had a really solid take, and you know it was like one of the highest ones on there. This movie's gimmick is that the social hierarchy of white people and black people is reversed, but the problem is that the story underneath that gimmick is already a role reversal, with the oppressed white guy turning the tables by kidnapping his wealthy black oppressor. So you end up with a movie about a black guy being continually threatened and abused by various white people, which isn't much of a role reversal at all. One star. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And I was like, yeah, that's that's pretty insightful, and that is what happens in this. Yes. And... There are multiple times where it's like there are, you know, white people are just like so angry. There's a, a scene where there is a uh, essentially a mob starts to form because the police are picking on uh, John Travolta and they're like throwing stuff at the cops and like yelling stuff. And I'm like, yeah, fuck the police. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait, but they're but they're the be- but they're but they're black. But it's very, like, very uncomfortable. Like, I do not like that you are committing violence against these black people as a mob of white people. And I'm like, I don't, what's, what are you doing, movie? Is this, what's happening? I mean, it's hard to, like, watch this movie with, like, just, like, no outside perspective. Yeah. Even during that time, too, like, 1995. It's just like, I mean, there's so much racial stuff happening mm-hmm. constantly. And then you go into this movie and you're like, who the fuck do I root for? Yeah. Like, <laughs> yes. yeah. Well, it's, like, it's hard. Yeah, sorry. Good. Oh, you're fine. It's just, there's no clear line for who to root for. It's yeah. like you, and I think John Travolta plays this character just zero to 60 because yeah. he just yeah. constantly cusses. He's constantly pissed. And it's like, it doesn't matter what color your skin is if i'm looking for a job and there's nothing i want yeah i'm gonna be pissed it's like it's not unique to you it's unique to everyone but he just plays it in a way it's like you listen to me because i am who i am you're like i don't care john i don't i just didn't care care. (laughs) okay so the character sucks on the point of violence like so what you're saying jack uh i think it's interesting like you're saying like it's uncomfortable you're watching stuff like to belafonte or to those cops or whatever but let's say you didn't do that. Let's say the movie showed restraint in those ways. 
But let's say you had black characters inflicting violence upon white characters. That still wouldn't be great because, yes, I know. Well, no, I'm saying like the reversal is there. But Mm -hmm. what happens to the audience is like you're watching black people inflict violence on white people and you're going to be sympathetic to the white people. Like even if you have to like do the gymnastics in your head of like, no, it's the other way. Wait, wait, my brain. (laughs) Even if you're doing that. The, the visuals are still the opposite. And so I think, like, if you're going to do a movie like this, I think, yeah, like, like bringing violence into it is going to get real dicey no matter what you do. Yes. Yes. It's true. You're not wrong. Um, and I I thought as I was, like, thinking through this and think, giving way too much thought to this movie because I knew we were going to talk about it. Um, one of the things I was thinking about is, like, okay – if they were trying to say something, which I don't know what it would be, but if they were, should they have pushed that harder or should they have done more uncomfortable things? But then if they did, to what end? Like, what would be the point? For example, the what is the point of the two scenes that we've just brought up? Because um, I don't think the point of either of those scenes was to be like, uh, hey everybody's got it bad like it's i the the point of the movie i think is trying to be like hey poor people got it bad no matter what their race i'm like we know like that's (laughs) i i don't i don't think it's about i think that's i think it comes through like it's about uh class i don't think it really i think it is about race i think that's its goal but um Somebody, again, another letterbox review that I thought was really interesting. Who has seen A Time to Kill? Everybody? No? What? Who's seen a what? Time to Kill from the 90s? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. You've never seen a time? Have I seen okay. that? Well, all right. I'm going, I'm going to spoil a moment, a key moment from A Time to Kill for you, Jack. You but, bastard. Uh, a movie I may or may yeah. not have seen. It's it's a pretty good film. Uh, Matthew McConaughey, like one of the things that put him on the map. John Grisham thing. Um, but, uh, it's where Samuel Jackson's daughter is like assaulted and, uh, like by some white characters, Samuel Jackson, like, like hunts them down and kills them basically. And so the trial is, you know, is it justifiable homicide? What he did is, is it, was he temporarily insane? That kind of stuff. So, uh, Matthew McConaughey is defending him in the closing argument of the movie. Matthew McConaughey has the all white jury cause it takes place in the South. Uh, and they like handpick the jury to you know basically railroad Samuel Jackson uh he has the all white jury like close their eyes and he like tells them what happened he just uh he describes everything that happened to the girl right and then he ends with now imagine she's white and that's it's supposed to be this big and powerful moment and so these white people are like now they have that image in their head and everything so the person on letterbox was saying that's essentially what this movie's trying to do, but for an hour and a half. And I yeah. think that's what it, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're supposed to be in Belafonte's shoes, but most people aren't rich. So it that doesn't yeah. work too well, but you're supposed to be in his, cause he's the one at the end when he tries to give the wife money who like has learned something. It's like, Oh, well, yeah. Cause Travolta lost his life. And she's like, well, how much do you think it's worth or whatever? And yeah. so he's now it's like, oh, I see. I understand now. That's supposed to be the white audience learning, right? right? That's like, that's I the guess. flip. But I mean, it's not done well, but that's, I think, what no. is going on. 
what if they had had two movies, two plots happening at the same time, and it was one in this world and one in the world of the movie? And, like, you have the same plot points, but they're happening with the different... So sliding doors with racism. Yes, Got it. sliding doors with racism. That might have been interesting. And exploring if you feel differently about both of them. Izzy loves it. It was I a great joke. One. It was a pretty good joke. <laughs> um, and with everybody playing, like, their opposite characters, like, the, John Travolta is either the poor guy or the rich guy. I keep thinking of how to fix this movie because I think the well, yeah, because like what you're saying is like it's another layer to that gimmick, but it would still be a, a, the same gimmick if you kept like doing it. Yeah. Um, I but know. I guess that could perhaps be something to make it more interesting. I don't know. Like it's, it's just, like it's yeah, really I don't hard. know. Just about anything would have made it more interesting. <laughs> um, can we talk real quick about how both uh, Pinnock? Just John Travolta's character and Thaddeus, just Harry Belafonte's character. They both are just kind of suck. But like Harry Belafonte, I think he's so charming that you you can't dislike him. I mean, he's saying like he's the best uh, part of the movie. It's not a good part. Uh, but he... I'm sorry. This is blatant bank teller erasure, and I will <laughs> not stand for it. <laughs> The blank teller is the best part of the movie because it works so well because he is doing a thing that I wish we could all do more in the movie. It's basically he's standing up to a, a jerk rich guy and that that scene works so well that almost no other scene works. But that guy is uh, it is a white bank teller and Harry Belafonte drives up with John Travolta with a gun on him. And he's like, hey, I need to take out a lot of money. It's like $3,000 or something. And the bank teller is basically like, hey, we're closed. Sorry, I can't help you. And uh, Harry Belafonte gets so mad and he starts ramping it up and starts putting out. He's like, let me talk to your manager. Let me talk to the owner of the bank. Yeah. It like, goes the on and on. The CEO of the bank. The CEO. Get me the CEO of Do the you bank. Think he's here? I am Thaddeus Wolka <laughs> right. and I have over yes, $6 right. million dollars in this bank. It's, it's so funny i'm trying to find it in my notes because i think i wrote down what the bank teller said it's amazing like basically he's like you show me the you get me the ceo of this bank and he says as far as this window is concerned sir i am the head of the bank and then like pieces out <laughs> and it's so good i mean this movie would have been over right after this if he had, would have just walked up to the atm you. And sat there for a little bit, taking three thousand dollars yes. out of the ATM. Well, they they have limits, and they probably <laughs> I'll did. Go then, to a different so. branch because yeah. this is nineteen ninety five. The branches don't communicate; they don't know. And if he had taken, <laughs> listen, if he had taken that money out and then gotten whatever petty cash he has at his house, because you know it's a lot. It might not be three thousand dollars, but between what he could pull from that and what he could pull from home, it probably would have been fine. But no, like I yeah, just they loved... could have bonded over. The plot could have just been them going to different branches, getting like four hundred dollars yes, at a absolutely. time. Absolutely, yes. And then, been great. you know, been same fine. plot, but um, but you need I that food it... stand scene. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe there was <laughs> an ATM there. You got to learn There's about the ketchup, the, way. the ketchup and the salt. That's really key. That really held the whole movie <laughs> yeah. together. Uh, anyway, just uh, seeing him be a bad rich guy, like a jerk rich guy, which you don't see that much in this movie was really important. He wasn't even uh um Pinnock was mad at him because he thought Pinnock made him get fired. And Pinnock didn't even do that. He wasn't even that bad of a guy. He was kind of like he was like, hey, just don't send that 
that guy over again. I didn't like it. He didn't even insist that he was fired. He didn't throw his weight around at all. It's like, we're again, we're supposed to be siding with Pinnock, but Thaddeus isn't that bad. He's just rich, except in this one scene where he was carroting all over the place and it was amazing. <laughs> I loved it. They open with him being racist. Uh, Vaguely racist. Yeah. He's clearly like, yes. yeah, like, because but... even compared to the rest of his family, he's like, he says things that are like, come on, don't say stuff like, you know, and he's... So he's supposed to be, I guess, like, yeah, like old curmudgeonly racist guy. Sure. And... But, but that's setting up the movie. He's not right. saying, sh- like, he's saying not great things, but he's not saying shitty racist uncle things. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's still yeah. just, like, yeah. generic rich people thoughts about poor people. He said white people are genetically inferior or they're culturally coupled or yeah. they're socially deprived. All of those arguments mean absolutely nothing. The bottom line is a simple question. Are these a people who are beyond being helped? Yeah. It's like credits. And then we go into it. (laughs) Right. That's that's, that's how the movie hits. That's it. That is. And it's like, oh, interesting. And then it just fails after that. The other thing I hate, and I know I'm talking a lot, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to say this and throw it off. (laughs) Accurate. That's what makes podcasts. It's true. I'm not, you don't need to apologize. (laughs) (laughs) And I won't ever. So, Pinnock sucks. Pinnock sucks. We're supposed to like like him and root for him, but A, he won't let his wife work when they desperately need money. He's like, no, you don't work. How dare you even think about working? Uh, and then also at the unemployment office, and I know that he has pride and I know that's part of his character, and I'm not saying it's great, but there are tons of jobs. There are a lot of jobs. Take one of those jobs. Just yeah, take one. like you need one. You, you don't have one to of those jobs stay with it your wife forever. Takes... Yes, exactly. <laughs> but you're in a desperate situation and you decide to try to rob a guy instead, which is like, there's so many ways that can go wrong. And Yes, and we saw them. <laughs> <laughs> there are. And he's not a super smart man. No, and he's doing whatsoever. it on the fly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no plan. It's just so... I um, wish that this movie would have opened up more with... Um, Thaddeus's wife because she seemed like someone who like I mean it was all about her fashion show which is like I have this show I have this show that was her main character was having fashion show fashion show wife (laughs) it was her raising money to help people and they like touched a little bit about it in the movie but it was kind of overshadowed by the way they like filmed it so it's like Okay, Thad's not there. Like he's obviously with John Travolta um, or Finnick. Which every time I heard his name, I was like Finnick Fox. Like <laughs> I was like fucking Finnick from the off. Hunger Games. <laughs> but it's P. It's Pinnock with a P. But uh. this fashion show, which some of that fashion was pretty dope, um, <laughs> was overshadowed by like this huge wave of like these dirty like sad poor white kids that are like fashion right <laughs> like... <laughs> they're the ones they were raising the money for let's see them all everybody let's give them a round of applause and it's yeah. like yeah, i present to you derelict <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's, <what I> <laughs> like, yeah. that's so good <laughs> it just like her story got kind of pushed aside so it's like maybe there could have been more there like it sounds like she's like for helping people but like it was just never brought up again it was just like i have this fashion show here's the money bye kids (laughs) well it's just like the hey look how we as rich people put poor people on display 
like and we're like ah look how poor you are we're helping you and like okay i get that again it's interesting and you don't go far enough with it you don't push it at all to make it anything you're just like again ah ah rich people ah but i, I think that's scene. still connected to race though because like white you know white rich people will do that to show like underprivileged like they'll they'll have causes and stuff so i don't i don't think it's trying to make a um you know economic point in that but but it gets well it gets real messy because they bring so much of because the the only black characters we spend any time with are super wealthy except his boss who's like you know middle america you know whatever and we were with him for all of three minutes it's just, yeah, just, again, disappointing to say throughout the whole episode. So many opportunities. And I wrote down at one point, I'm bored. <laughs> like Literally, my notes say, I'm bored. Nothing is happening. You could have done so much of the plot up until now in one third of the time. This is all up through him deciding to kidnap. Well, I'm glad Thaddeus. we are to the reviews section because this is going to be my favorite part of the podcast. So Jack and Eric might remember back when we did Fart the Movie, oh. uh, I read a number of letterboxed reviews uh, oh, yeah. that I, I handpicked that I thought really stood out. And uh, this movie is so weird and bizarre uh, that obviously there were going to be some solid letterboxed reviews for it. So uh, I found them, and I'm going to read them now. So mm. I've, I told you the one serious one, and I alluded to that other one. Um, but the rest are just pure fun. So uh, strap <laughs> tight. All right. First one is, I don't see race, so this movie just looked like a blank screen. 2.5 <laughs> stars. God dang it. Um, next up. I didn't watch White Man's Burden. I sat my black ass down and listened to stars. I'm fucking dead. (laughs) Listened was in all caps. This movie Uh, is me doing the work. (laughs) All right. Uh, This movie came out after Pulp Fiction. There's a Dave Matthews song on the soundtrack. It's impossible to find for very good reason. Half star. <laughs> Actually, there's some pretty good songs on the soundtrack. I will say, I did hear. Howard Shore, man. I did see that. Like most of the bands were very white. It was like Blues Traveler and oh, yeah. Hootie and the Blowfish, uh, which I know yeah. Hootie Hootie is black, but it's a pretty white band. And then uh, Cracker <laughs> was on it. Yeah, uh, Bush. Yeah. <laughs> Bush. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the all 90s, right. and we all know 90s music was the best music. Mm-hmm. All right. I wonder if this movie is what got Howard Shore the Lord of the Rings job. One star. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I got I got more of them here. Um, shit. I hadn't thought of it like that. One star. <laughs> good. This one is just... <laughs> Sorry, that one was a work of art. That was great. This one is all caps. Yikes. 2.5 stars. Some of these like 2.5s. Like I'm like, how? Is it what? out of 10 or is it out of 5? Yeah, it's out that, of 5. That, that, it's out of oh 5. The point 0.5, that extra point 0.5 is always significant. You got to wonder yeah. what leaned them towards that. Um, another one just read Y. Half star. Um, <laughs> 
Another one read, did a lot for racism, half star. <laughs> Uh, another one was, hey, what the fuck was this, Half Star? Yeah, <laughs> I um, agree with that one. <laughs> another was, I will wake up tomorrow a different, worse man after watching this. <laughs> Two stars. <laughs> another is, I forced two of my closest friends to watch this obvious car crash of a movie for my birthday. I alone must bear this burden. Half Star. <laughs> Good, good. Um, this was the first glimpse into late career Travolta, and we didn't take the threat seriously. Half star. <laughs> He's so bad. Right. He's so bad. <laughs> this movie boldly poses the question, what if black people were actually white people? And it answers this question about as racist as you'd expect. Half star. Right. Yep, and then, then the last one, for a few glorious minutes, it looked like this was going to be the worst possible execution of the worst possible idea. Turns out it was just boring as shit. Half star. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. So thank you, Letterboxd, for uh, giving thank me you. some enjoyment for White Man's Burden. One last thing that I forgot about in my tirade against how much Pinnock as a character sucks do you remember when he, uh, after he had kidnapped Harry Belafonte, he then decides to call his home from the phone booth? Do you remember this conversation yeah. that he has? Mm -hmm. So he's just stuffed in a phone booth with another guy at gunpoint and talking to his wife. And the wife says, I miss you. And he says, yeah, I'm horny too, baby. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I forgot that. I rewound yeah, it and watched it again. I'm like, bag. like it's surely just, uh... I heard this wrong. Surely I did not. If I hate, I was like, I hate you. I, I feel like I'm going to have to rewatch that just to hear him say that. It's so terrible. It's really uh, gross. Maybe bad. that'll be our opening quote for the episode. <laughs> People will be so confused. <laughs> Let them be, because this whole movie is confusing. It's going to set the tone, Jack. <laughs> Uh, I, honestly i don't know what the dialogue is going to be because what do you choose that out of context you can live with i, I like nothing what about i there i did have another favorite line i forgot uh maybe the ketchup scene maybe i choose oh, the, ketchup, the ketchup you're right scene. the ketchup scene has Oof. to be it um i remember when uh thaddeus had to go to the bathroom he's like i'm not lying to you black hawk has to pee that part was great to note, though, Jack is saying Black Hawk, just so anyone knows yes. uh, <laughs> those are the words that she used. We have not established That's what that what means. the movie used. But nobody You're knows right. that. Okay. We haven't talked about right. it. We did talk about it. Listen, it's just a the side character of the Puma Man is the toy that everyone wants. Uh, the little white child wants the black action figure and the white father is like don't you want the white action figure and he's like no that one's not cool i want the black one what a twist <laughs> and then that guy's side character is black hawk and it's a whole thing i did like this is john travolta's son is hanging out with them for a day which was a whole thing but the interactions between harry belafonte and that child were cute 
They did good uh, together. Well, another stupid decision on this robbery is he detours to like celebrate his kid's God, birthday while he's still so got this guy with him in the car. <laughs> so insane. Hey, he promised his son. He's a good True. father, guys. He's a, he's a man of his word. Father. He is, yeah. But he like takes him to the toy shop and he's like, buy whatever you want. He's like, this is like eight dollars. He's like, I don't have that money. <laughs> it's like, damn, dude. <laughs> and Thaddeus is like, I mean, I got some cash for your son. It's like he's his new father now. <laughs> John Travolta <laughs> opens up the wallet and there's three grand in there. <laughs> hey, wait a minute. <laughs> I was, I was just, you know, bored. Sorry, I, I thought this yeah. might be kind of fun. It wasn't, but I thought it might be. That's this movie. That's that should have been the tagline for this movie. You I seemed like you needed fun, a friend, so I just, you know. So, uh, interestingly enough, this movie cost seven million and made nine. So it was, it's, that's, oh, that's still a failure, nine million. That's still a failure because they have to pay like theaters, like half ish. And then they have marketing and stuff, but so it was still seen as a failure, but it's still amazing that it wasn't like a major failure, like that. It was just like a modest failure. It it had wide release or was this like, uh, I don't know how wide, but. You know, I, 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 I doubt it ran in the festival circuit and the, the art houses, God, if that's not. what you're asking. Eric. Did Tiptoes run in the art house circuits? Did it run in festivals? Uh, yes. It People did. I thought it's they had one, something yeah. there, right? It did because there's the thing where the director, well, yeah, the director like called out the producers at like yeah. Sundance. Because they like, put the wrong yeah. cut in or something. Yeah. Well, no, because they made him cha- make changes. So he like said they ruined his film and he did and it, it publicly. Perfect. He did it publicly, so. Oh, Tiptoes. At least Tiptoes was weird. This wasn't even really weird. I mean, it's pretty weird, but uh, yeah, it's not Tiptoes weird. Not Tiptoes weird. We could just watch Tiptoes again sometime. Just get the gang back together again. Uh, Izzy's down. I gotta go. I fucking like (laughs) that ridiculous. It's also like. I will watch other, like, YouTube will pop and be like, hey, remember this movie Chiptoes? I'm like, I'm watching that. <laughs> like, it's years later. <laughs> I got to know more information about that movie. Check out our episode Tip-toes. on Tiptoes. It's very fun, very funny. The movie's insane. Um, <laughs> so check that one out. Uh, all right. So I think we've probably talked out about everything we'd want to say, unless anyone has any yep. extra things. To I had out. a feeling this one might be one of our shortest <laughs> short one, because yeah. I was just like, <laughs> I don't have much to talk about outside of just like how this movie doesn't work on its gimmick. And I don't know if it even could. <laughs> well, uh, I put it to all of you. Uh, would you recommend white man's burden? No, no, no. No. I feel like with this, it was just confusing for me. Mm. Like, I didn't like any of the characters. I did not. I mean, it was lackluster. Everyone was kind of boring. Like, there was nothing. Even, like, costumes didn't even, like, stand out. Like, (laughs) it's just, like, it was just there. And nothing really happened. (laughs) Like, I kind of thought about it, but then I forgot about it. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a hard no as well. I think there's not enough. It, it, there's not stuff so bad that it's enjoyable where I'm just like, you know, totally confused. 
it, and it's just it's it's yeah it's it's lazy it just expects you to like it based on its yes. little gimmick and it doesn't offer anything else and i'm like yeah that's just like a waste of time agreed agreed i think lazy is good disappointing is good lackluster is good it just didn't do anything fell flat on its face although the it is satisfying that Pinnock gets shot at the end that's because he sucks he's a bad character and i'm glad he's dead would you be saying that if the races were reversed (laughs) you walked into that one i did (laughs) oddly enough jack is recommending this to her dad though so i don't know (laughs) somehow somehow (laughs) i've already said it to him He'd just be, like, adjusting the contrast on the TV. Like, what's wrong with this thing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, so... (laughs) So, anyway, uh, for myself... I uh, I would I would not recommend it in general. I would say if you I mean so it's like it's like ninety nine percent no, uh, for all the reasons everyone said it's not good. It's boring. Um, it's not crazy bad. It doesn't take just insane swings. Um, but if you want to see movie, if you're like if you're like a film person who likes seeing just like super bizarre, weird things and just kind of watching them unfold. I could see you wanting to check this out the same way people want to check out Tiptoes and other kind of just bizarre premise and approach movies. But that doesn't mean I recommend it. It's just like, it's out there. If you want to watch it, it's there. It's waiting. <laughs> it's um, but uh, I would say, like, I don't, as I said at the top, I don't know if there's a way to make this premise work, but it would definitely need to be saying more than just racism bad, which is kind of yeah. all this is doing. And I would say in closing that if you want to watch uh, a much better, uh, albeit still slightly muddled movie about racism, go watch Zootopia instead. It's much more entertaining. (laughs) Um, All right. So uh, that wraps us up for White Man's Burden, the major motion picture, White Man's Burden. Uh, John Travolta, you know, he's living high on uh pulp fiction and this is a passion project for him this is he finally got to make it he's wanted to do this since the 70s finally white man's burden now uh so that wraps us up for white man's burden um uh other what other than can i find this um so this might be available on roku it was hard maybe you have to like sign in or something i couldn't tell um but uh, it is uploaded in full in segments on YouTube. So somebody has like ripped it, cut it up in like 10 minute segments, put it onto YouTube, which is how I got it to all of my panelists. Um, Cause it's not easy to find. It's not available on streaming services. Uh, sadly, there's no Blu-ray yet. We've all still got our <laughs> fingers crossed waiting for Criterion, Arrow Video, you know, Janus films, you know, any of them. Come on, step it up, guys. Um, this, film, this movie has a lot of important things to say. <laughs> but you can find this masterpiece on DVD or, if you prefer, VHS for $39.95. Uh, it's available on Amazon. Why would you spend that? But, uh, yes, it has been released on DVD, so it is out there. Uh, you, you can own White Man's Burden. 
Uh, all right, so uh, that's going to do it for this episode. We are coming back next time with another bizarre 90s movie uh, that stars Randy Quaid, of all people. Um, it is 1993's Freet. So uh, we will uh, have a, a partially new crew. Eric's going to join us for that one. But we're going to watch Freaked, one of the uh, bizarro movies of the early 90s. See you then.